970 presents Eye on Real Estate. This is your premier source for real estate information. From the hot properties in the tri-state to the latest in real estate market trends. From mortgage news to answers to all of your real estate questions, you'll be in the know with help from the experts. Call now, 866-970-9622. 866-970-9622. Now, here's your host for Eye on Real Estate, Douglas Elements CEO, Dottie Herman. You're listening to Iron Real Estate, 866-970-9622, okay? And we were just talking about everything that's going on. And we continue to think that the housing market is healthy. I know I have some callers. I'll get you one second. I, I just want to say on behalf of our radio station and 970 and uh, myself, Ace and Steven, uh, our hearts go out to the community of Surfside and those impacted by Thursday's devastating building collapse. Uh, and obviously, you know, a 12-story building collapsed and uh, there's a lot of people that are missing and we're just hoping that they find some more people and our hearts go out to you. And I will always say this, and I think we all say this when something bad happens, um, that we should be thankful for every day that we have, that we're healthy and that we're alive. And sometimes we take things for granted. But our hearts go out to you and we're praying that we find some more people uh, because they're still looking through and hopefully they will find people that are alive. Uh, that's just a, so one of those tragedies that you kind of never know. Um, so we were talking about, okay, let me, let me, let me, let me get questions. We have a, a caller on the phone. So we have a question from Sydney, from the Bronx. Yes. Sydney, yes. you on? Yes, I'm here. Hi, uh, can you hear me? Good, Sydney. Good. Yes, definitely oh. can hear you. Okay, good, good. Uh, I'm selling a co-op here in the Bronx, and uh, I'm asking uh, 250000 and uh, this is already on the market, when about a month or two later, the board came up with a uh, price point, uh, a new price point, and they're saying we have to sell it for significantly more. Now, being as we had it on the market before they came out with the new price point, are we grandfathered in? Are you grandfathered in because you, 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 they, when did they come out with the new price point? Yeah, we were in well before the price point. Yeah, let me, point. I, I can address point. that. Uh, I, yes, so Sydney, hi, it's Stephen. Let, let me take care of the question. Yes. Um, Unfortunately, it's it's a well-established rule, and there's been cases on this, that co-ops can um, reject a prospective buyer based on price point. And they, while there are certain things that would be grandfathered in, like let's say you were in contract and let's say the board put in a new flip tax, you would be grandfathered in and not have to pay it. Uh, generally speaking, and this would be one of them, if, if they don't like the price, then they can reject the deal because they don't even have to set a formal rule. The fact that they gave some guidance um, is more than they're required to do. And even if they said nothing um, or it was an unofficial rule, they can unfortunately request a buyer based on price point. Now, there are a couple things you can do. One, depending upon how much of a number we're talking about and how much distance, 
there are some ways to structure contracts to both um, get that price point to make the co-op happy, but also to make a prospective buyer happy. However, given what I'm also hearing that you've had on the market for a bit, that might be difficult to achieve. I think the next conversation is really, um, the board's gonna have to have an annual, annual shareholder meeting and you wanna get this on the agenda if that meeting is coming yeah. up soon. If that meeting's not coming up for a while, I, I would ask to try to speak to the board. There's two tensions that are going on right now. On the one hand, there's the market. The co-op board can think of any price. They could make it $20 million. But if it's not connected to reality in the market, you as a homeowner trying to sell is going to have a problem. So they need to have something that's realistic. On the other hand, the board does have a fiduciary duty to the co-op corporation. And one of their duties are to try to increase shareholder value if they can somehow move the market to be higher. But the reality is, as, as you're seeing, and unfortunately you're caught in the middle between these two, it, it, there's only so much they can do. Um, and um, so I think what needs to happen is maybe also if there are a couple of real estate agents who are experienced in the building, you can also talk with them and you can try to approach um, the board. Um, there was a building, I'm not going to say the address, a few years ago that went through a similar evolution. They also wanted a certain price point, but the board, when they saw that deals weren't happening in the building, actually, and to their credit, reached out to a few real estate agents who did work in the building to get their opinion. And, and what that led to was a conversation and the board got a little bit more realistic. So what I would try to, to try to do is do the soft sell and educate the board to say, look, I appreciate what you're doing and trying to get more value for the building, uh -huh. but we, we uh -huh. have to give also, it a realism. Okay. Also, if, if, if the buyer, prospective buyer comes in to buy my co-op and they get an appraisal, they get an appraiser, like a professional appraiser to come in and he's significantly below what the board has said as the point happens. Where am I? Where am I? Well, so this is also another one of the dilemmas. So the way appraisals work is it's based on historical market data. You're looking at things that have closed. And if what we call the comps, the comparable property analysis, if the other transactions aren't there, right. they're going to have a problem getting there. Um, one of the ways around that when you have markets moving is if, if you're able to, and I'm not sure if you're able to, but if you could, this is where trying to work with an all-cash buyer, if you can, would be, would be very helpful because they obviously don't need to get a bank appraisal. But, but if it happens, what do I do? If you haven't, I mean, we, we can't, there's only some, sometimes there, there's a problem here. I mean, this is, this is a big problem. If, if you're only getting buyers who are getting a mortgage, and there are no comps to support the value, then that information needs to be given to the board and you gotta get them to be realistic. In the most okay. extreme, and now I'm going to the extreme, you know, the goal, the goal is to have a positive conversation and educate them and realize you are hurting the building. And I'd approach it that way, say, look, I understand you're trying to help the building, but there's no magic wand that says, 
just because the board says the apartments should go for more money means that buyers are willing to pay it. So if at right. a certain point that doesn't happen, we try to educate them saying, look, here's what the professionals say it's worth. At a certain point, you have to rally other shareholders and really have them change the board position on this or even in the most extreme at the next election, try to replace some board members who understand how the business side of this works. Yeah, uh, sort of the range of options. Yeah, you you might also want to call a couple of local brokers up and, you know, tell them the truth. And, you know, um, I'm sure many of them will do it because even though, you know, you know, will help you out, it doesn't take much on their computer. To give you a couple of recent sales in the area that you could actually go to the board in a very nice way and show them, hey, this is substantiated, these are sales. And what happens is when something is sold, by the time it is closed, which is about three to four months, let's just say, and then it's recorded, that's another two or three months, there's about a six-month lag time before, at least before the things are recorded. So they might not have the most current information as far as pricing. And if uh -huh. you get some brokers to, to help you out with that, which I'm sure they will do, uh, because they would always look for future business. And if they help you out, even if you never, you know, you'll tell somebody else something good about them. And that's how real estate, you know, that's how we live on our reputations. Um, and you go to them, as Steve said, in a good way. Uh, because, and that actually, it's, it, you know, you know, they, you know, there's a lot of kind of restrictions, but I think they'll be reasonable. Um, I think that you want to go in there with some documentation and the, the real estate offices will be glad to help you with that. And if you have any really big problems, leave us your email and phone number and right after the 4th of July, if you have no luck, you can call and I'll try to help you out with that. So at least give you that documentation that you can show. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much. Okay, so and that's, you're very welcome, very welcome, and no problem at all. That's what we're here to do. Um, you know, we were talking about, you know, uh, a lot of different things today, and there's so much real estate stuff that, you know, after 10 years, we still have plenty to talk about. Uh, so let's talk about, uh, Steve, uh, you know, and, and Ace. We, we've always, you know, we talked about, you know, we, we talk about when a husband and wife buy a home together, and the way that that flows is that the death of one, when you buy joint property with a husband and a wife, it automatically transfers to the surviving spouse. But a new trend that's very popular in San Francisco, and one of the things that I've learned over the years is that when it comes to change, the East Coast is much slower to change than the West Coast. West Coast usually is quicker to change and embrace new things. Now, this is a new phenomenon for the West Coast. So whether it's here to stay or not, but we're wondering if this could happen in New York. And what's happening is it's called Tenants in Common, and that's gaining a lot of popularity in L.A. And collectively, which is collectively owned housing is growing in popularity. So uh, we've seen this. So buildings with, they call it TIC housing, include apartment style units, but they aren't condos. Okay, they're collectively owned, but they also aren't co-ops. So they're not condos. And we always talk about the difference between condos and co-ops. We tell you that a condo, you own that building. 
in a co-op, you don't own the real estate, you own a share in a corporation. Okay, these are TICs and they're a unique ownership class uh, with strengths and weaknesses. And um, Steve, you see, okay, and a TIC, and I'll let Steve take this because I'm sure he's very versed on this, but a TIC is, here's what you need to know and how it's different from other types of housing. And I'm sure most of you haven't heard this yet because it's a fairly new thing. Like a co-op, a TIC building is collectively owned by the occupants. So a co-op, whoever lives in that co-op has shares in that corporation, but they collectively all have shares. Okay, it's TIC is collectively owned by the occupants. However, while co-ops are structured as corporations and you own shares in a corporation in which residents own shares, Occupants of TICs collectively own the actual building. Tenants in common also tend to be created in LA by converting existing rental units rather than via new construction. So additionally, TICs generally have less restrictive rules than co-ops. Now you just heard a gentleman call about a co-op where he's having a hard time selling at the price that he wants to because the co-op is telling that he can't. And co-ops, and that's why we always tell you when it comes to a co-op, you call Steve up or somebody in his law firm and you just read what the restrictions are in the bylaws. It's so totally important. Um, now, TICs are generally less restrictive than co-ops. And for example, in a co-op, the board has to approve the sale, like this gentleman just called, of the individual unit. But that isn't the case with the TIC. Uh, why is this so, happening? Okay, maybe Steve, you could add to this because it's they're they're thinking it's going to come to New York and it's going to be here. They think it's going to stay, and I'm not sure because I haven't seen much of it in New York yet. Ace, I don't know what you've so, seen. I'm curious to get your take on this. Yeah, so let me give a little more depth and, and, and clarification on it. So TIC, standing for Tenants in Common, is a legal principle that's that's very well established. So. You know, just that I want to clarify is I think the TIC, when you're talking about it, where, where it's new, is really from a social cultural point of view um, th th than a legal one. The concept's been around. And what it just means is that each owner and a co-owner of a property have divisible interests. So that means they can, but there's more to the story which I'll give in a moment, they can each sell and trade their portion. So um, you could, let's say, own only 1% of a property, um, and, and you can trade that. Now, we have traditionally, and, and what we see around the country, whether we call it, whether it's a co-op structure or a condominium or an HOA, or sometimes you've heard a PUD, a planned unit development, we've had various stripes of this um, co-ownership living to some level, um, right? Some of it may be very basic you know, just management of the grounds. Some of it may be more in depth where we want a mandatory force, every home to look very similar. So we have a continuity all the way to the extreme as we just talked with the prior gentleman about board has authority to say who can come in and who can come out, right? There's differing shades and limitations of it. Where I see the TIC movement being slightly different um, and, and is when people want to buy a single family, a two family, maybe a three family home where 
it's still one property. If you're trying to get a mortgage, it's one loan on that property. And we're going to talk about the legal consequences because it's, it's important to know who you, quote unquote, get in bed with on this prop type of property structure um, on that property. But now it's allowing an opportunity for people to afford more. And that's really the idea. Someone might say, I don't want to buy one apartment within a 200 unit building. I don't want to buy a townhouse structure and be told that I picked the wrong paint color, I have the wrong plant in front of my door. I want to have maybe the uniqueness of a two family home, but I got a problem. Problem I have is I can't afford it all on my own or I don't want to go in it all on my own, right? Maybe I can't afford it, but I don't want to. Maybe I do want to have some level of communal ownership, right? And then now you start throwing in another trend, the trend of an increasing number of unmarried couples buying or single people buying. And so now they may say, look, this is a great friend of mine that I wanna go in with together. We're not married. We're not necessarily even in a relationship, but we're, we've been friends for 30 years and they'd make an amazing neighbor rather than somebody random and we can and we know we can work together. So that's where you're starting to see the TIC structure. Now, with that TIC structure, what happens is you would create your own bylaws. So instead of having a condominium declaration with an offering plan or co-op bylaws, you have what's called a TIC agreement, a tenant in common agreement. And that outlines the relationship between the fractional owners of the real estate. So for example, what if the two best friends bought a two family home together and each one lives in one half and all of a sudden, for whatever reason, they're no longer best friends. Or let's say one of them does get married and the spouse says, you know, your friend seems nice, but I kind of don't want to be their neighbor. I don't want to be in business with them. Or let's say even less innocuous, let's say a career trajectory changes for someone and they want out. So what happens is in the agreement, you would put in certain terms and conditions as to when or how one could sell, or maybe even a right of first refusal like in a condo because the, the friend, now who knows who they're gonna get. There, there's one other concern that I wanna throw out there, Dottie. You know, there's a lot of interesting things and the thing about real estate, it's a lot easier going in than getting out. And my, my caution for folks is that when you get a mortgage, and let's say you go in 50-50 with someone, tenants in common on that two-family home, just because you pay your half doesn't mean that you're free and clear. You are now tying up your credit with other people. The way a bank lien works is the bank can say, look, that's great that you and your friend get along great. You have your half, but the bank loans on everything. So these are some of the things we can talk about after the break. But there's yeah, a few considerations people need this. to keep in mind. Yeah, I think it's a good subject to talk about. I think it's going to be more popular as we see it happening. And so we're going to continue talking about TICs where if we buy something to the friends or a relative, not to not married how that works and what, you, what the benefits are and how you have to protect yourself. 
Hey, it's Joe Piscopo. My friends over at Route 22 Toyota want me to remind you that if you're tired of dealing with dummies, get over to the state-of-the-art service facility in Hillside, New Jersey, please. Alex Kinsella has the entire team staying safe, wearing masks, socially distancing, fogging vehicles with every single service to make sure they're disinfected. At Route 22 Toyota, they always get it right. They're doing their part to stay safe. Plus, right now, Route 22 Toyota is offering qualified buyers more reasons than ever to get into a new Toyota, like 0% APR financing up to five years and zero down leases on some of your favorite Toyota models. Call 855-621-9949 for details and make sure to tell them Joe sent you. 855-621-9949 to schedule a test drive and Route 22 Toyota will get you driving a new Toyota with 0% interest or zero down leases. Now that is the smart way to buy. Route 22 Toyota, Route 22 West in Hillside, New Jersey or at Route 22 Toyota. Your business is ready for a reboot, a recharge. The way our companies operate has changed. Adapting to the changes hasn't been easy, but never more important to succeed. Many of the digital resources available have helped overcome obstacles your business is facing. But are you using the full potential of every one of them? That's where Salem Surround can help. Your business needs to use digital tools more than ever to stay in touch with customers, making buying decisions right now and for the future. Will they consider or even know about you? The marketing team at Salem Surround gives you the tools needed to stand out and be visible to current and potential customers online right now looking for what you do. We'll design a plan that targets and surrounds customers with proven marketing strategies. Contact Salem Surround for a free evaluation of your marketing plan and see how we can help place your advertising message in front of today's consumers. Learn more at surroundnewyork.com. Surroundnewyork.com. Connecting you with new customers. We're planning a trip to Spain later this year. But our Spanish is... It's pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> when you learn a language, you want to actually use it. Babbel is designed with that goal in mind. Babbel's conversation-based method teaches you real-life words and phrases. And with Babbel's interactive bite-sized lessons, you'll remember what you learned. ¿Cómo te llamas? ¿Cómo te llamas? ¿De dónde eres? ¿De dónde eres? No matter your learning style or experience level, Babbel has lessons designed for you that will get you speaking quickly and confidently. I tried learning Spanish before, but I couldn't stick with it until I found Babbel. There's no easier way to learn another language. Ahora hablamos español. He just said, now we speak Spanish. I can't wait to use our new language skills on our upcoming adventures. Babbel, language for life. Celebrating 10 million subscriptions sold. Now try Babbel for free at Babbel.com. Just go to Babbel.com and start learning a new language today. That's Babbel.com. B-A-B-B-E-L.com. It's I on Real Estate. Got a question? Call 866-970-9622. Here's Douglas Elements CEO, Dottie Herman. listening to Ion Real Estate and we're talking about a trend that has been around but it's getting more popularity and uh it's it's can you you know buying a home with a friend okay and so basically there's benefits to that of course there's always good things and bad things so the benefits are buying a home with a friend uh is it undertaking and if you're interested in purchasing a primary residence an investment property or even a second home co-ownership can come with certain advantages i'm considering doing that on a second home that i want to rent where i actually get 
unrelated people and we all put our shares, our, our money together and we buy a home. Now, the benefit is obviously you have a better chance possibly of being approved because um, the requirements now are more restrictive as Ace had said at the beginning of the show. However, by combining your income, so when you're buying it with a friend or somebody that's not related, uh, they add your incomes together. So uh, you combine your income, it gives you a greater income, which could help you possibly get a, a mortgage if you didn't have enough income to begin with. Getting to split costs. Obtaining a loan is half the battle. So now you've obtained the loan, okay? Um, after you do, you have actually to be able to make the down payment, keep up with monthly payments, just like everything else, and shell out cash. And remember, cash, whenever you buy a home, expect that you have to have some reserve money because there's always something that will go wrong, even if it's a brand new house. So many want to be home buyers have neither a large enough savings or not, or not a big enough salary to do that. So you've got to make sure you're in a, in a good position to do that. You might be able to enter the housing market sooner. So maybe you don't have the down payment. Maybe you don't have the income. Um, but if you share and if you go in with people, obviously that would raise all that amount. But you have to look at you if they have debt. You have to look at that also. Uh, so you might be able to enter the housing market sooner. And uh, if you're buying investment property, you might be gaining passive income. Uh, so that's all good. But there are drawbacks. So one of the things is, you know, if I did this with Ace and Steve today, if we decided to all buy an investment property, a single family home out in some, let's just say the Hamptons, and we say, we'll fix it, we'll split the course, we'll, we'll, we'll modernize it, and then we'll rent it and we'll split the money. Well, when you uh, purchase a home, you always have some risk. And, you know, everything is good now. Uh, but you don't know what's going to happen 10 years from now. So you could lose a job, you know, have a medical emergency. And keep in mind that buying a home is a major undertaking and you still have to pay that commitment. Uh, and then you have a challenge. Of, obviously, everyone involved has a challenge of qualifying for a second loan if they already have a house. And if you're considering co-ownership, you need to feel comfortable speaking to your friends about money because that's very important. And you have to make sure that, you know, they have savings, that they're qualified, that they don't have debts and clarify your goals and make sure they align. You know, you have to really sit and, and, talk, about, and, and talk about it. So these are the questions, okay, before you do anything, if it's something you might be thinking about, as I am, um, these are the questions that you should ask before buying a house with a friend. How will you divide home ownership, ownership and equity? Who will hold the mortgage? Now, Ace, can a, a bunch of people hold the mortgage or? Yes, Dottie, a, a bunch of people can hold a mortgage. Um, typically, it's always a joint um, sort of co-borrower and main borrower, right? And, and I love what you said, Dottie, and, and what Steven said. Just level set expectations up front. You just want to know in different situations, you know, what you're responsible for because it's never, it's, it's, it's never a good situation when, when, when you don't prepare yourself 
um, for, let's say someone doesn't have enough to pay for the mortgage payment that month, what happens? There's a lot of things that come into sort of tenants in common and joint partnerships where you just have to um, lay it out up front. And there's no one better than, you know, someone like Steven that can help sit down both of the, both of the buyers to just kind of level set expectations, Dottie. But it's a great way. I just bought one with a good close friend of mine um, upstate in Hunter Mountain. And we're excited to do, to, to, to do the construction together. But we did talk through a lot of the different variables on what would happen just to be safe, Dottie. So. Right. But did you put that into a legal agreement? We did. We you did. Have, we had an opportunity. Yep. An attorney drafted it for us um, that, that he knew up near Hunter. And um, yeah, we created an operating agreement. Everything was laid out in front of us. Um, everything down to financing, to the sale of the home, to what happens if, you know, someone knock on wood passes away or things of that nature, right. you know, so, so everything was laid out and he's one of my, my best friends, Dottie. Right. So, you know, it's, it's better to be safe than sorry. So. Now what happens as you just mentioned? So, um, cause I was reading a story about, you know, a girl that, uh, was 32 years old from Texas and she was dating her boyfriend and um, for over a year, and they started talking about buying a home together. And they had been watching housing prices in Texas creep higher and higher. And so they weren't ready to talk marriage at the moment uh, or forever, but, but they realized that by the same time they were ready to buy a home together. Now they weren't buying as an investment. Well, I guess it's always an investment, hopefully, but they were thinking of moving in and buying a home together, even though they weren't gonna be married. And obviously they will hope to be happily ever stay there and be happily, you know, ever after and eventually get married. And um, what happens if somebody dies? Uh, that doesn't, their shares, does it, does it go, it doesn't go like in a, when you're married, it doesn't go like in tenants in common. It's just, it doesn't, it doesn't go to your heirs, does it? Well, let me, so Dottie, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a great point. And this is why as a firm, we actually have a structured group exactly for this. You know, we have oh, something called, you know, we have, we have something called the private client services group. And there are three of us that run it together. You know, I, as the real estate uh, person focused on the residential real estate component, we have uh, someone, she runs estate planning. And then we have another gentleman who runs matrimonial and, 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 you know, people think of matrimonial planning, you know, they think of matrimonial, they think of divorce. They don't think of marriage planning in a way. Right. You know, right. It, but it sort of works the same way, like getting a mortgage. You don't talk to the bank after you have an accepted offer for the first time you plan in advance. And one, com and, and so people think of matrimonial attorneys, oh, you call them when there's a terrible divorce and you got to go through that. But a lot of a lot of what goes on is people who want to plan who aren't ready maybe for marriage yet, but are get doing more things together and they're more than just dating. They have financial connectivity or so forth. So we really look at it from all three angles: a real estate and estate planning, and a matrimonial angle. Um, because again, marriage is a legal status, and when you're not married, you don't have that status. And I would say the number one thing you have to look at. And whether it's, you know, ACES transaction with a tenant in common you're talking about or the case of the couple in Texas is 
exit strategy. What you need to do up front, while there is a good relationship, and hopefully it always stays good, but while everyone sees sort of eyes to eye up front, you need to go in there and have your exit strategy mapped out. You do that up front in the good times, you are going to avoid a lot of headache and heartache and expense if things go bad. And things can go bad not because of even the two parties. So, for example, as you mentioned, what happens when somebody passes on? Let's say an unexpected accident. Who knows? It's going to, if they don't have a will, because a will is going to govern tenants in common, then what's going to happen is you don't know who's going to get the property. So there should absolutely be an agreement between the two parties. Does the survivor have, let's say, an option to buy the property before it goes into the estate and just give some cash to the estate? Um, we have, and this is a whole thing that we structure when in there's corporate partnerships, um, when we have buyout agreements. In the case of a partner dying, retiring, or getting divorced, who knows what's going to happen? And it's these agreements that absolutely you want to have in place to govern it. Um, so this is something that can definitely be done. Otherwise, if they don't, otherwise it's going to be subject to a will if they have it, or even worse, if they don't have a will, it's just going to follow under statute who's entitled to inherit the property. And what if there is a parent or a sibling that they don't get along with? And now your big investment is all tied in and tied up. So really very important to plan this in advance. Absolutely. And one of the things that, you know, and a lot of times really this happens frequently where people are friends. Everything is good. As you said, Steve, everything's great. We're friends, you know, where everything is great. We have a great friendship and who knows what happens 10 years from now. So, and what you might agree on now, life changes. So first of all, as Steven said, okay, never do this with a friend like and just sign an agreement that you didn't go to an attorney okay i could tell you not in a million years should you ever do that two as you all know if you're homeowners if you own a home always there's always something that goes wrong so what happens if the boiler breaks what happens if the roof leaks and you have to put repairs what happens if your friend or whoever you went in with doesn't have the money to fix it? Do you have provisions? I want to ask Steve that. Do you cover that? How do you handle that? Because that might happen. Somebody could lose their job and say, look, of course I would pay my share, but I'm just unable to now. Um, we're going to talk about that after the break. Mounds and mounds of fur. Our hairballs have hairballs. Our cat mama, she's 10 years old. She has dandruff and an oily coat. I have two cats, Zippy and Daisy. Daisy sheds like crazy. If you love your pets as much as I do, you'll want to do what's best for them to live long, healthy, happy lives. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Yeah. 
fact, I just tried this wonderful, catalicious Dynavite for cats, and my cat has been on it for two weeks. She is not scratching anymore. She's not chewing anymore. It is just the best. I was thrilled when I heard Dynavite for cats was coming out because I would seen the changes in my dog. To introduce my cat to Dynavite, I took the advice from Dynavite and put their food on top of just a scoop in the bowl just to get them used to it because I know if I even switch one little thing, they put their nose up to it. There was not one problem. Dynavite for life. You won't believe how happy your cat will be. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. It's Mattress Firm's biggest 4th of July sale ever. Hurry in and get a king bed for the price of a queen or a queen bed for the price of a twin. Plus, get a free adjustable base when you spend just $6.99 on Sealy. Or save $500 on all Tempur-Pedic Breeze mattresses. With our low price guarantee, you can rest assured you'll get the best bet at the best price, only at Mattress Firm. Offer valid with qualifying purchase. Restrictions apply. Valid at participating locations only. For offer details, visit mattressfirm.com sale. Are you tired of exposing your retirement to stock market risk? How would you like to participate in stock market gains but never stock market losses? Join us for the Safe Money Radio Show Saturday afternoon at 3. You can also call now for your complimentary customized Safe Money Information Kit and 115-page Safe Money Book at 844-751-SAFE. That's 844-751-SAFE. 844-751-7233. The Safe Money Radio Show, Sunday afternoon at 3 on AM 970, The Answer. Dear Cancer, if you think you're going to put my life on hold, think again. I did my homework and I found a cancer treatment option that requires no surgery, minimal downtime, and virtually no side effects. It's called Proton Therapy at Procure Proton Therapy Center. Proton Therapy targets cancer tumors more precisely than traditional radiation therapy with less radiation to nearby healthy tissues. And thanks to Procure, I don't have to travel far for treatment. Located in Somerset, Procure is New Jersey's most experienced proton therapy center, offering the most advanced form of radiation with the most precise technology. That's right, cancer. I still have the choice and energy to go on that hike with friends or spend a Saturday afternoon with my grandkids. I chose proton therapy at Procure, and now my hope has been restored. I'm living my best life. If you've been diagnosed with cancer, visit Procure.com or call 855-3-PROTON today. It's I on Real Estate. Got a question? Call 866-970-9622. Here's Douglas Elements CEO, Dottie Herman. Hi, we're back and we're talking about buying a home with a friend and the pluses and the minuses of that. And I think there's a lot here and there's a lot to talk about. I don't think that we're going to, I think this is something that we'll continue to cover because there's a lot of things that come and, but, but I want to make sure that I stress that, you know, people that are not married a lot of times they're just moving in together or friends assume that whatever they put into their co-ownership agreement is legally valid. And uh, without actually checking the law. So there's no way. uh, They gave an example of a woman who um, she had one, the two girlfriends and one had, you know, the money, more money to put down. So they drafted an agreement and the other woman was going to pay one, the woman who paid for the house and the other woman was going to pay it back, you know, whatever. And it ended up that she couldn't. 
And whatever they wrote in the agreement, the court, I don't know how they wrote it, but the court didn't buy it. So you want to make sure that you go to an attorney, that they'll go through all the questions that you have. And then what happens, as I said, Stephen, what happens if there's some something that goes wrong with the house and the other party doesn't have any money to put in? That daddy is a huge issue, and let me and, and I'll tell you, we, we saw we saw a bit of this, I would say, in Florida, in 2006 and 2007. Um, you know, it came out sort of after, um, you know, every the financial contagion meltdown in 2008. But what people were doing was something similar to this, not not the same thing. You know, it's always a little bit different. What happened is some people were working with straw buyers and basically cutting deals to get primary residence loans, even though they were investment properties. And then all of a sudden these straw buyers who thought, Hey, I'm getting paid $5,000, $10,000 to get signed some papers. No big deal. Well, guess what? When the market collapsed um, and, and they couldn't rent things, all of a sudden everything was on that person because that was the person who signed and they had a whole load of trouble. Now this is obviously different. But what you got to remember is that from the bank's point of view, it's going to be one property, a single family, a two family, a three family. It's still one unique property address, one unique block and lot. And the bank's collateral is the entire property. So they don't say, well, because, you know, Dottie's on the first floor and Ace is on the second floor, and Steve's on the third floor and, and Dottie paid her share and Ace paid his share. But if Steve didn't pay, it doesn't mean that two thirds of the mortgage is fine. The bank's going to say, we need the full payment each and every month. And it's between the three of you to figure it out. It's not our problem. And it's going to impact all your credit. So exactly. very, very, so we're gonna, yeah, very important. You know, people understand that. Yeah. So we're going to talk more about this because I'm seeing it more and more. I'm seeing more people do this. Uh, I think it's a great thing to do if you have legally done your homework, gone to an attorney like Steve or a firm that specializes it, and have everything spelled out, like what happens if somebody doesn't have money to put into the house after they have, it has damages, what happens if someone dies, who does it go to, what happens if somebody needs the money and wants to go leave. So we're going to continue. So we just started that, but I'm just seeing a lot of it as a trend that I think is going to continue. So I wanted to at least start to talk about it. I did promise you, and we won't have time to do this um, in its entirety, but I talked a little about, so I don't want to not do it today, about winning a bidding war. And of course, when you're winning a bidding war, that's when there's multiple offers. And I'm going to tell you, okay, and people are bidding against the same property. But whether you're bidding against the same property or you're negotiating with nobody else, you're just negotiating with the seller or your broker is negotiating with the seller, um, how do you win a negotiation? Okay, now this is a, a topic that I think will take a while, but I first want to give you a little of like a, a little of the background that I think everyone should do, whether they're buying, whether they're in a bidding war, or they're just going to negotiate with the seller and there's no other buyers that want to buy the house at that moment. So you should always do your homework. And if you're dealing with a good broker, they will do this for you. And that's why I always say deal with a broker, preferably Douglas Elliman, and deal with Citizens Bank. 
okay, that's who I use. And that's who I use for all my sales and my mortgages um, and deal with a real estate attorney. Don't use your brother, your son-in-law who really is not is a divorce attorney and really doesn't feel like doing it anyway, but feels obligated. Use somebody who knows what they're doing and specializes. But you should know, gee, this house that I'm going to buy that I want to make an offer on or that I'm in a bidding war for, how long has it been on the market? Why should you know that? Because well, if you see it's been on the market nine months, obviously, maybe if there was price changes, which you'll find out, that's one thing. But if it, if it had the same price and hasn't sold for six months, nine months, we're in a very hot market, you would want to question that. So you want to check the market time that something you're buying has been on the market. I think it's crucial. You want to see houses that are similar and you have to compare similar neighborhoods. You can't take a house in one neighborhood and compare it to a, the same type of house in a different neighborhood. You have to take houses in a similar neighborhood and you want to look at that whole market as the whole. Like how quickly are those homes selling in that market? Um, how close to asking price? And your broker can have that information, okay? They will know what it's sold for and what it was listed at and what it actually sold for. Um, they, they would do a competitive market analysis. Here's what's on the market. Here's what you're currently up against. These are the prices that things are on the market for. And these are the prices that actually, they actually close. We're not seeing, you know, much lower prices. We're seeing very good deals being made, but you still have to negotiate. So when you negotiate, you want to not be argumentative. A negotiation, you don't, that's the last thing you want to do, but you want to supply someone with facts. So you want to know the market. You want to have a comp. You want to ask the broker to do that. You want to know the square footage, uh, the room counts, how many bathrooms, blah, 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 how many bedrooms, taxes. Definitely want to know the taxes. And you want to ask, and some people really forget to do this, Somebody might have a VA exemption. And so they're paying less taxes because they were in the military and they, and they get a break for that. And they don't do it purposely, but they tell you what, what they say to the broker, what are your taxes? And they say, whatever. And that's true. They're not lying, but they have an exemption or maybe they're over a certain age and they have an exemption. So you want to check the true taxes so that you know exactly what they are when you're going in. Because if there's an exemption, that means they're getting the break, but that's not passed on to you. You want to know, as Steve pointed out before, if you're in a co-op or you're in a, a homeowners association, okay, or even a condo, you want to know the laws and, and what, what, what they allow you to do. As I said, co-ops, just happened to my friend, they turned down his buyer. We had a gentleman that called today and said the same thing. So you want to know the rights. That, you know, if they're in a homeowners association or co-op or condo, what, what, what rights you have. If you have a broker, you know, uh, you would like, if you can, and again, if you have a broker, the broker might know why this person is moving. Um, you know, when I bought my first house or my second house, yeah, I found out that the man, the, the couple, it was a couple with two children. They were, he had gotten a transfer, you know, a big promotion, and he had to move out of state. And he, he didn't, he had to go right away. So he had to move 
before they actually sold the house. So he's now living away from his family and he had a pretty big need to get that house sold quickly because he didn't want to be away from his family and his kids. Now, did I steal the house? No, um, I got a fair price, but I, but I knew that going into it. And so one of the things that I said to him is, look, I will move in and get you, get me in this house in 30 days. Okay, it was one of the things I was able to do then. So um, I didn't have all cash, but I had you know enough money that I could borrow to get in and get him out of the house as quickly as possible. And I can tell you that one of the reasons he chose me was because I was able to move quickly. Um, so it's good to know a little about the seller and know what they're why they're moving. Maybe they bought another house, and they and they have a time frame. Maybe not. You know, they might be one of those sellers that just says, you know, I'm going to pick a number and I've seen it. Uh, I'm going to ask for X. Someone pays me, I'll sell it. Everybody has a number. If someone doesn't pay, I don't care. I could live here forever. Uh, so you want to know pretty much about the market you're buying. And also, especially in the suburbs, check school districts. And let me tell you why. When you look at the school districts, um, school districts have different ratings and usually they rate people by how many kids went to college, you know, or how they did on their SATs. So you could have two identical houses. They could be a block away from each other. They could be built by the same builder and they could go for completely different prices. Uh, one school district has a higher rate of people going to college or something. So you want to check school districts. And I think we've come to the end of our show. Am I hearing that? Yes, we have 30 seconds. I'm going to continue the bidding wars. Okay, but what I'm first saying is, first, before you do any bidding, before you take offers, you should pick an area, know that area, back and forward, frontwards and backwards, know what things go for. An educated buyer is the best buyer. Working with a broker who knows that area and an attorney and a mortgage person and putting that team together. Ion Real Estate with Dottie Herman is sponsored by Citizens Bank NA.